Wellness Force Radio. Feelings are essential, but they can't dictate our actions. We literally infect each other with our emotions. We came here for a special purpose. Let the purpose unveil itself. Knowing without doing is the same thing as not knowing. They're not just trackers. I'm going to wear this and it's going to help me do the right thing. Wellness Force Radio, episode 152 with Dr. Perry Nicholson. My favorite definition of pain is this. Pain is a request for change. And what I've honestly found in all my years of being in medicine and going through personal tragedy of illness and not being able to come back is that I've found that there is an emotional component to every type of chronic illness and every type of chronic pain and every barrier in fitness and performance. Like people just can't get out of their own way and they start to beat themselves up even more. And when you understand the body and you understand physiology, you understand how it reacts to the way that you think, then a life completely changes. What's up, my friend? It's your host, Josh Trent, and welcome back to another episode for your weekly access to global experts in all things wellness as we discover the physical and emotional intelligence we need to live life well. In this podcast, we're talking with chiropractic physician, speaker, and the creator of Stop Chasing Pain, Dr. Perry Nicholson, in continuation for our hashtag Stand Tall series and our partnership with the human technology company IntelliSkin. Now, a lot of people have been writing to me and there's some questions on social about what is IntelliSkin? Well, let's just say there is some incredible things, not to mention in-depth conversations around physical intelligence coming in 2018 from this partnership with Dr. Tim Brown, who is the co-medical director of the World Surf League. And in this final segment from our Rockstar event live in Huntington Beach, we're learning from one of the highest level masters in the movement game in a powerful conversation at this intersection of managing chronic pain and also healing the body from the inside out. And speaking of healing from the inside, it starts with the foods we eat, including our micronutrients that we know from studies are unfortunately missing from our conventional foods. This is why Wellness Force partnered with Organifi this year, creators of a GMO-free, organic, and real food greens powder that has adaptogens baked into the recipe. And the best part is, it's not actually juice. It is powder that you can take with you anywhere and not worrying about spilling it because it doesn't stain. This is becoming very popular with all my colleagues in the health and wellness industry because the reality is not everyone has time or money for buying a ton of fruits and vegetables to juice every day. So you can practice self-care and self-love this week, today. Just tap on your show artwork, hit the Organifi button in the show notes, or hop over to shoporganifi.com. Enter code wellnessforce to get a huge discount. They're giving us 20% off your green juice powder, and everything else on the site. And as a perfect gift for the stocking stuffers out there, the holidays are coming up. I would be so stoked if somebody gave me green juice in my stocking. That would be so awesome, especially if you have a friend or a family member that you're nudging in a positive way towards eating healthier and more clean foods. And it's a lot more fun than coal. So hop over to shoporganifi.com, enter code wellnessforce at checkout. Now in this podcast, if you have a passion for, or if you're curious about the mental and physical aspects of healing chronic pain, and also if you've ever known anyone or maybe even deal with yourself currently going through cancer, Dr. Perry's story is inspirational to say the very least. He dropped some absolute truth bombs in this conversation about how to manage both somatically and emotionally our stressors that manifest into physical pain. Because as you'll learn from Dr. Perry, at the end of the day, pain is a request for change. Whenever you feel pain, that's your brain and body telling you that they need your full attention. Let's drop in with Dr. Perry Nicholson. 
Josh Trout with Wellness Force Radio. We're here at the Rockstock event live in Huntington Beach. I am here with Doc Perry Nicholson. Perry, welcome to the show. Thank you, my man. It's Thanks great to be on. here. Now, we're going to talk about movement today, obviously, but Stop okay. Chasing Pain is your website. Yes, Now, this is. is something that I've heard about in the industry space. You have a unique story of how you became a leader in the movement space. I'd love for you to tell us a snapshot origin story of how you came to where you are now. Sure. Well, thank you very much for having me on the show. I got involved with it for personal reasons for me. Like many people, they get into something because of a, a personal journey, a personal experience. And I'd gotten hurt many times being a bodybuilder. I was a classic meathead, pick heavy stuff up, put it down. And I just hit a point where I was not getting any better. That originally got into it because the chiropractor put me back to pieces, right? I mean, like he'd done so many others. And I'm like, I said to him, do you think I could do this? And he was very inspirational. He said, of course you can, right? And then I went and became a chiropractor and started doing that for other people. But I quickly realized there's got to be more to something because I've always been looking for the reason why, first of all, people get hurt. But more importantly, like why when you do all these great type of therapies, do they not stay well? What's the linchpin for why all these great therapies don't last? And then that got me into looking at movement, right? Just moving more of yourself more often. So I jumped into it, and like many others, I became obsessed with it, and I got to a point where I began to honestly overcomplicate it, right? Like to a point where you're almost afraid to the move because you're doing it, quote, unquote, wrong. Wrong, yes. Right? And, and I hate that because the idea is that you want to empower these people so they don't need you, and they can build up their confidence, they can build up their self-love because you should be able to have the resilience to move without having to think about it all the time. What did you go through as far as a physical threshold? I mean, do you mind talking about this a little deeper here? Like what were you dealing with? Well, a couple of things. One, I uh, survived cancer that I had, and uh, that was very uh, tough for me. And We're high-fiving. Uh, thank you, man. If you're listening on iTunes, we're high-fiving. And that hit me home hard because my father died from cancer when I was 13. And I actually had kids at that age. You know, So there's an emotional stuff that we were talking about before that hits home about that. You know, I went to the traditional route to get back where I wanted to go, but I was just not where I thought I should be and having that cancer and then getting the injuries now physically i was beaten down of course but it was more of a mental thing too right and then when you look at what's interesting when you look at pain right now they always tell you that pain is in the brain and i'm like well what makes us unique as a human species well we have emotion and then they also tell you that pain is perception which means it's all subjective there's no objectivity to it you and i perceive a situation and I can see it as painful, you can perceive it as, man, I had the best time of my life right. and I'm miserable. People that do Spartan races. Right, exactly. Right. Like I would never even do that. Never think of it. That's not fun for me. Yeah. Right. It's painful for me to think about it. But then when you realize that if you can change someone's perception of themselves, change their perception of the environment and what influences movement is your environment, period. Right. It's how you perceive the world around you influences how you move externally but internally but here's the rub what you think internally is influenced by what is experienced with you externally so you can't separate the two how did you fortify that environment for you to actually change then because if the environment's so important to physical change to healing what did your environment look like there's a great quote i want to tell you and it says you cannot get well in the same environment you became ill within which means that I can do all my magic to you in my office, but if you go back and you go to an environment, maybe it's a toxic relationship, maybe it's a work environment, you got to sit the same way you always sit, well, guess what's going to come back? 
And that's where the degree of self-responsibility comes into play. And I thought, well, what's the easiest way I can change my environment that I'm in? So that's where I came across and got into ground-based movement. So what I did was I started taking things like gymnastica natural. Then I got into animal flow type movements from animal flow by my friend Mike Fitch. And then I got into neurodevelopmental patterning from Feldenkrais and things like that. And then I said, well, if Mother Nature was smart enough to put you on the ground to learn how to move before you could walk, she's pretty smart. So let me go down there and play on the ground. So what happened is that completely changed my environment, right? Because you're not normally there. Yeah. Right? And then when you're on the ground, a funny thing happens. Your brain never forgets anything. So when you go back down to the ground, it remembers that safety. It remembers that stability. It remembers that environment. And your whole body just goes, thank you. And then you start to move slow. Because if you've done any type of body weight training, you know that the ground will kick your ass quick, fast, and in a hurry. Absolutely. Because it's a lot of work to move your own body mass. But I tell everybody, you got no right to swing heavy load if you can't even control your own body mass against gravity. And that is what every single human being has to do. So in order to make you better on two feet, I make you a hashtag beast mode badass on the ground first. One of your specialties is in assessment. Uh, how did you develop that as such a specialty? Is there a certain mentor that you had? How did you develop that skill set to really powerfully assess someone to see what their next steps are? Wow, that's a great question. Well, it's, it's a mixture, right? It's like a buffet of everything that's happened in your life that you put in together, right? Like gumbo, right? <laughs> so the guy who changed my life and got me looking into movement was a very brilliant physical therapist that many people know in this business is Gray Cook. And, you know, he talks a lot about movement. He was the creator of the functional movement screen, things like that. And then I came across his work and we're very, very good friends now. It turns out that we actually were, we grew up very close to each other down in Virginia because I'm a redneck too, right? So I'm a redneck. I can call somebody else a redneck. And um, so that was like, man, oh, that's a very fantastic way of looking at the body. But then I mix in so many other different things based on my experience that you take on in. And one of the biggest things that I teach people when when I teach is I've actually failed you as a teacher. If you leave here and you try to do things like me, I want you to leave here and do things like you. So people say, Doc, I mean, could I do this? Could I do that? I'm like, my answer is you can do whatever the hell you want to do and I want you to do because you can probably find a better way for it, right? I mean... There's better phones than they because somebody said, what if I just made a phone I could stick in my freaking pocket, right? So, <laughs> yeah. But they all start with a baseline framework or an idea, and you become innovative. I loved how you said, don't leave here trying to be me and do exactly what I do. Do what works for you. And I think this is where people fall into a trap. Even first couple of your personal trainers, you know, they get certified by NASM. They come in, they learn about the OPT model, and then they step into training and they're like, wait, let me do everything perfectly, including SMR for 15 minutes. They only have an hour with their client. They're trying to do everything perfect. And it's like the perfection becomes what blocks them. What would you say to fitness professionals, movement professionals that might be listening, coaches, yeah. to just step out of the perfectionism and just take somebody through a proper progression? Well, it's really funny. There's a phrase that says experience is what you needed the minute after you needed it, right? Like, <laughs> yeah. That's where yeah. it comes into play. And you kind of, you need that kind of system, right? I mean, I found out through life that nothing is more terrifying than the idea of unlimited possibilities. And that's what the human body is in relationship to pain or movement or anything. So, but you have to have some template to begin with. Otherwise, you just don't even know where to start, right? But you have to set your goal and then make a plan to go after your goal. But here's the thing. You have to be 
willing to adapt based on the individual that you're working with. And I see that in medicine all the time is that I cannot take a cookie cutter protocol and treat your back the same way I would do someone else's back because it's not the same back. If you look at medicine and they say, well, he's got this muscle and he's got that hip and he's got that foot and they're all the same. No, they're not because that body has had a completely different experience in its life, which actually means how it moves is influenced by how this person has lived mm. and how it reacts and how it compensates is influenced by this individual. So if I take the same care program in medicine and give it to every person, they're going to fail. If I take the same training program to each person in fitness, they're going to ultimately fail. Of course. Not to say that you don't do baseline assessments, right? Like, I mean, I'm going to put you in, and I'm going to do my assessment on you, and I'll do my assessment in medicine, what's your heart rate, what's your blood pressure, all that kind of stuff, right? But then that's where what you have to do is you have to put that stuff aside. I've got to sit down in front of you like you and I are doing, and then I've got to relate to you as an individual living, breathing human being because that's where I'm going to get my answer. You talked about environment too and the way that you communicate. You're a very effective communicator. In your lectures, you talk about really connecting with people, meeting them where they are, which you're talking about right now. Yeah. Really meeting somebody where they are. There's no such thing as a cookie cutter approach for that. You have to have a specific way of intaking this information, but what are the core pillars right. of how you assess somebody? I mean, what does that look like for you to actually assess someone? It's a very big question, mm -hmm. but are there a few commonalities of what you look for when you assess someone? We all have asymmetry. Uh, how do you really check for asymmetry with someone that can actually hurt them in the long run? You know, that's a great thing that uh, I think one of you guys said that, you know, like we're, we're not symmetrical, right? I mean, it was definitely Dr. Tim. We're, yeah. we're, it was brilliant, right? I mean, we're, we're designed to react, adapt, and respond to asymmetry. If I try to make you symmetrical, I'm going to mess you up quick, fast, and in a hurry, right? And that's one of the biggest mistakes is to try to, to do that. But I'm the guy you go see when you've tried everything else and it's not working. You've lost hope. Maybe you've lost faith. And then really what I do is at that point is exactly what I told you. I sit down with you and if I can speak to you and I can look at you, I don't even have to touch you. Somebody once said it's a great position that 90% of your diagnosis comes from the history and me talking to you. The other 10% comes when I touch you, wow. when, I, when I feel. People get to you, they're kind of at the end of their rope. They're frustrated, they're exhausted, they're beaten psychologically in a way, would you say? Yeah, because, I mean, pain kicks your ass, man. It really does, right? And I actually say that my job is very simple because if you've tried everything else and you're not any better, why in the hell would I do what everybody else has done? Because my ultrasound machine, my electric muscle stim machine, and my adjustments aren't going to be any different than what those guys had before. But what's going to be different is my approach. So it's very simple. It's like everybody's been doing this, going down that quote-unquote normal path. I'm going to be going down the one over here that looks nuts. And that's usually where I'm going to find my answer. And what I've honestly found in all my years of being in medicine, which is for about 25 years now, and going through personal tragedy of illness and not being able to come back, is that I've found that there is uh, an emotional component to every type of chronic illness and every type of chronic pain and every barrier in fitness and performance. Like people just can't get out of their own way. 
and they start to beat themselves up even more. And when you understand the body and you understand physiology, you understand how it reacts to the way that you think, once you remove that barrier, and it's very simple to do when you, when you know how to do it, then a life completely changes. People just lose pain that nobody's been able to find before. People have been able to break through a plateau. Because the thing with athletes, if you ever talk with any great athlete, they lose in the mind first. And when you understand the power of the brain, then when the brain goes, the rest of the body goes. And one of the things with athletes is you either win or you lose based on how you think, right? Most I would say that's all for humans as well, inside well, or out of the field. It's true. It's like, you know, what I tell people is very simple is this. If you think you feel better, do you feel better? Well, of course you do. If you think you feel worse, do you feel worse? Well, of course you do, right? Who's a great quote? Who's that guy? Quote I, think it's, I think it's Henry Ford. Yeah. If you think you do, then you will. Yeah. And if you think you can't, then you won't. Exactly. I think it's really that simple. Yeah. Now, I want to go back, though, because you talked about these barriers. They're heavy for a lot of people. And you said it's easy to figure out once you identify what the barrier is to get through it. Those barriers can be different weights for different people, depending on their environment, genetics, epigenetics, previous history, and basically story that their subconscious mind is rattling off. Sure. How, how do you identify what that barrier is so people can get the hell out of their own way? Yeah, that's, that's a, a great. That's a big yeah. one. That's I a mean, big one. I don't even know if there's one answer for that, but that's, <laughs> that's my curiosity coming through here. Yeah. Well, when you understand how to read the body, there's telltale signs that you can discover and you can find. One of the places that you see it is definitely in the eyes and in the face. We learn how to read it. Very often, people that are stuck in uh, this fight or flight mode, right? Like life is kicking your ass. We're all under stress. If you're alive on this planet, you get stress. You get fatigue. And then what happens is your adrenal glands explode, right? And then you get inflammation everywhere. So you can see inflammation very easily in the body through the eyes. So one thing you notice is that there's a lot of redness in the eyes. And then the pupil itself, when you look into it, it's like wide. It's like huge, like a donut like that. They're just locked in, in this like sympathetic fight or flight. And if they relax at all, they just can't let go. They just, mm. they have to be in this high threshold strategy all the time. Control, basically. Oh, sure. Yeah. Control means I'll be safe. And so what I'm hearing from you, there's a correlation with the sympathetic nervous system activation where the iris grows? It's actually very interesting because there's no absolutes in anything. So what I do is I look at somebody with their eyes and see, can they focus on me? And do they look anywhere? And one of the biggest things, if you're more medical, you'll look at the, the pupil. But I'm going to tell you something that's really easy to spot. If you get close to somebody, if you start talking about a subject matter and their blink rate increases like they start blinking like this like that a lot that is a classic sign that they're falling back on what's called their limbic system the survival fight or flight emotional brain you're tapping into something that is freaking them out and they don't know it because they don't know they're doing it it's a non-conscious reaction to yeah. threat so when i see that happen when i go up and i working with an athlete for instance and i talk about something i watch that and then if I go near a part of their body that feels threat, then that starts to happen as well. The body never lies to you when you understand how to read it. And from a standpoint of where to feel by hand, the classic case, there's one spot that if I touch and it's hard as a rock 
And it's ungodly excruciating when I press in there. I mean, I call it the vomit point where you would <laughs> rather have anything done to you but that. Yeah. If I touch that spot, and it's really simple, if you find your belly button and you go two inches up from your belly button up towards your chest, that's the spot where it usually will sit. That's usually the location. It could be up or down, maybe a half an inch. But that should be like mush, like I'm pushing into a soft pillow. If I push into that and it's really, really painful, that's what they call your emotional center, your gut center. That's where you wow. hold everything. You that's are speaking you my language, it. man. So this is where somatically we can release this trauma as well. Really what this is when you're talking about is people get their limbic brain activated. That limbic brain also deals with reward. That limbic brain also deals with so many other functions, but yet it's a very primal old software system. You know, 10,000 years ago, that limbic brain was keeping us alive. It's still keeping us alive now, yet we live in such a different time. We live in a yeah, world- Yeah, but your body doesn't know that. Your body doesn't know that. So we're running on this old software. Um, yeah. What tools or what ways of approaching this somatic awareness or release have you found be successful to let go of that so that we can convince our limbic brain like, hey, everything's okay? You know, there's a really uh, great book. That's okay if I mention a book? Please, yeah. People to do? I mean, Absolutely. besides my the own- The more resources, the better, yeah. You know, it's by the dude who does the Bulletproof Coffee, right? Dave Asprey. You're talking about the Headstrong book? That's what I'm talking about. Okay. If you read that book, I always tell people, the first two chapters in that book are probably some of the best descriptions of what the problem is for people that I've ever read. I'm going to check this book out we, now. We have such a state of sickness and illness, and uh, all these autoimmune disorders in the world are getting worse. Cancer's going up. Depression's going up. Blood pressure going up, Right heart attacks, everything, Parkinson's, Alzheimer's. Like these are autoimmune diseases that like, well, I don't know why it happens. It just attacks you, right? Well, what happens is the body gets inflammation in it from the world that we live in, the environment that we're in. That inflammation begins to take hold, but you don't know it's there until you know how to look for it because that's what I teach you. When you know how to look for it, the shit's easy to see. And it keeps going and going and going, and it takes hold until your body can't fight it anymore. And then all of a sudden, you get these autoimmune disorders that people get. The inflammation can be from, as you described, the environment, but also can't the inflammation come from psychosomatic things where we're stressed out because of maybe the environment? There also could be toxins and pollutants, but they're both equally kind of a benefactor of that, right? I mean, the two go hand in hand. Yeah, because what's in the mind is in the body. How you think changes your biology. So the classic case of this is I can sit at home, nobody's around, and I can think back to a time when I was truly happy and maybe I'm at the love of my life and I'm just, I feel fantastic, right? But maybe I'm sitting at home and I think about the time that I lost the love of my life through tragedy. You're going to have a completely different emotional and physical reaction in your body and you were sitting in the same room because your brain doesn't know the difference between real and imagination. So it reacts the same way. So my cortisol level goes up, right? That's why when you talk about social media and the phone, I mean, you've got stress one-on-one -on -one in your hand. And if you ever notice that people in the world today, they ain't getting nicer, they're getting meaner. And that's what happens is when you begin to have that thought process, the external environment, don't even get me started on the shit that we eat, right? And we don't move and we're grinding for somebody else and we get crappy pay. The first place in your body where you get inflammation is the brain. And then you start to get brain fog, brain fatigue, decreased oxygen. There's free radicals in your brain that attack it because it's the most vulnerable part in your body because it takes the most oxygen to run and the most energy to run. 
and the body craves energy, and it'll do anything it has to to get it, and it takes the path of least resistance to get it. So that's why you reach for the donut when you want quick energy. That's why you reach for the alcohol or you take the drugs because it gets you that quick, fast, and not a hurry. That energy system is supposed to be really high. You're supposed to be happy. You're supposed to have vitality. You're supposed to smile. That's normal baseline. You're supposed to be healthy. Not, not this, you're just getting older shit, right? But there's a sliding scale of energy because the bottom of the scale is no energy. That means you're dead. So there's a descending scale. And the body has to adapt to its environment, which means it has to make a new normal. So if it can't be up here where it's happy and you're halfway down the death scale, it says, hey, guys, this is my new normal. And you just get used to it. Oh, I've always had this. I've always had that. But when you can give the body back some energy, it goes, holy cow, man, this is what it's supposed to be like. I forgot what it's like to feel good. Yes. Again. And then it's really interesting when you think about energy, the brain takes the most of it. You've got the prefrontal cortex here that makes us unique as human beings, which we things we think we're smarter and better than anything else, right? This is what you reason with, the reasoning brain. And then in the back, you've got that primal brain, the, you know, fight, flight, kill freeze, it, freak out, drag kill it, it the cave. sleep with it, do whatever, yeah. right? That's the one that drives the show all the time, whether you think it does or not. And then what happens is when the brain has got inflammation, it has to pull oxygen from other parts of your body. It's got to pull oxygen and blood supply from other parts of your body because it doesn't have enough in there on its own. It takes 20% of the oxygen in your body to run your brain. So what it does is it starts to take it from the periphery of your body. It starts to take it from your muscle. So then your muscles don't have enough blood supply. And then if you're in fitness, that's the person who gets cramps. They get spasm. Mm. They, get, they just can't get bigger. You're not going to get bigger if you can't get blood supply there and you're going to get pain. But eventually that supply runs out. And then what happens is your body starts to pull more from your organs. Your organs say, dude, I don't want you to take it from me, but your brain says, I don't care because if I'm not working, you ain't <laughs> Everybody's living. passing the energy buck, right? But it all stems from the brain not getting the oxygen and the fuel that it deserves. How would you suggest people that are listening, what's a few action steps yeah. they can do to feed their brain what it deserves? Well, but the thing about that one is, is two things that can really improve the oxygen delivery in your system. One, learn how to breathe better which we've been talking about all day long. At this so many conference. podcasts, so many influencers like yourself talking about the power of breathing today. Yeah. Well, you know, the breathing is going to optimize what? Oxygen delivery, more oxygen into your body, more efficient blood circulation means more goes to your brain because we don't breathe efficiently. So breathing is one. And holy cow, movement is number two. Move more of yourself more often. But you also have to change the environment that you're in. Right. So if you eat like crap and you breathe better and you move better, still going to get the results. Right. I mean, you're only going to get so far. Stop chasing the pain is your website. That's a great name. man. This is an incredible name. (laughs) Why did you name it that? Well, what I found through medicine is that, you know, everybody treats where it hurts and you should. Right. I mean, because there's a difference between pain. Right. If I fall and I hit my knee. Well, I mean, I probably should treat there. Right. Because I got trauma and that may come back. Or show up somewhere else. But I'm actually going to be asking, why the hell did you fall in the first place, brother? Like, maybe something's off. But most people get these pain that just pops out of nowhere. I'm running along, and all of a sudden, I got plantar fasciitis. Well, I'm here to tell you, it's not the foot's fault. And what many people don't know is it takes about 10 years for a muscle to manifest pain. So if you start hurting in your calf, I'm going to pop back 10 years to find out why you got it. What that thing is telling me is, 
It's just telling me I got a problem. It's not telling me what the problem is. If it was that simple, why the hell did I go through eight years of school to treat that freaking foot Mm -hmm. with ultrasound or I'm going to stick a needle in there? We got to be better than that. And if I treat an area and it doesn't get better, well, maybe one, I'm not giving it what it needs. Or two, here's an idea. Maybe that ain't it. So then you got to look somewhere else. But the reason that it's so difficult is because many people don't want to take the time to look for the shit. Because you're in a system that i got five minutes to spend with you. Yeah. Or I'm in a physical therapy place and I've got 10 people to see in an hour. And I'm getting paid 20 bucks to see them. Or I got people that really don't care. They just want you to do something for the fun. Or they're just so stressed out with their normal life. Maybe their parents. Maybe they can only squeeze in movement here and there. And like, you know, I'll get to it when the pain is enough where not dealing with it becomes too painful. Pain is a great motivator, right? My favorite definition of pain is this. Pain is a request for change. Pain is a request for change. Request from who? You. Your brain and your body are telling you, dude, I've had enough, man, and I'm tired of it, so here comes some hurting. And what that means is don't change whether I'm going to give you a Percocet or or, or I'm going to give you another drug. How about this? How about you change your lifestyle? How about you change your habit? How about you change your behavior? Because the only thing that influences how you feel is your environment that you're in and the perception of the environment that you're in. So that, that self-responsibility comes back. But I'm also not naive. I mean, dude, if, you're, if your knee is hanging off because you had a problem, you got to go put it back on. Right. But if you have an, uh, a knee problem that just chasing the knee and you know it's not cancer and you know it's not a tumor or something bad like that, well, then now you're in my wheelhouse, man. Then I'm going to look somewhere else. And I'm going to look usually at the opposite side of the body. Because nobody looks at the opposite side of the body. Why? Because it doesn't hurt. Sure. But these are systems that all synergize. So almost like biotensegrity, right? Everything feeds almost like a honeycomb. If one is off, it might affect one way over there. But my curiosity about you is you're a movement leader. You teach people how to move well. You teach people how to stop chasing pain. When you talked about those barriers, those emotional barriers, I'd love for you to share with us one that you've crossed in your life when it comes to your emotional intelligence. You're very physically intelligent. You teach others in physical intelligence. But what's one of those barriers emotionally that you might have pushed or you could share with us? Oh, sure. Well, a big one was, you know, certainly the death of my father. But I'd be willing to share my story about four years ago, I started to become very sick, not feeling well. And I had a lot of issues, uh, like urogenital issues for guys. It was like prostate, bladder, urinary, things like that. And I don't give a shit if I talk about this because most people don't want to. But people need to hear the story because a lot of people are, oh, my God, I have that too, but nobody wants to talk about it. I had to go through a couple of surgeries, and they were not successful in helping me with what what was going on. And then the medicine was just like, well, you know, we're just going to keep giving you more meds or antibiotics. And the lesson here is, is that one, you know, I'm in this business, and I was lost hope, and I was scared. And I listened to what those guys were telling me, too, because I was afraid. And I knew better in my heart. But I'm like, okay, I just, I'll do whatever you want me to do because I just want to get better. But I kept getting sicker. I had to stop teaching. I had to stop practicing. I went through a mental breakdown. I was just lost. And I felt so sick that I felt like, man, I'd just rather die, man. So I had to get to that point, And that's what led me in my journey to, one, look more about the power of the gut, which I talked about this weekend, of getting that back online. 
And when you talk about emotion, it sits right here in the gut, man. Right behind yeah. that spot of tenderness you said right above the belly button. Yeah. Oh, man, mine was excruciating. And I'll be honest with you, when I, in my early things in medicine, I was more of a biomechanical guy. And somebody would say, oh, you know, you check out energy, check out emotion. I'm like, ah, pff, what? What is this smoke and mirrors crap? Yeah. What's this voodoo, and then, right? <laughs> and now you're like, wow, I know what it is. Well, you know what it is? I mean, the universe throws stuff at you. And it's very often pain and tragedy that you get your greatest lessons from. And I thought to myself, you know, once I came back by going the emotional route and uh, looking at the different principles that I talk about on trying to help inflammation, I mean, I became like a new person, right? And I was like, oh, my God, this is like fantastic, right? And wow. but, but then I was, if you take that lesson and you realize that, okay, why did the universe kick my ass? There's got to be a reason. And so when you take that in and realize that now I'm supposed to go out and try to share that message, and it's a classic. I get people saying the same thing. I used to say, Dr. Perry's lost his freaking mind now. He's talking about <laughs> emotion and energy and all this sort of stuff. No, you're but, speaking our language. I mean, this is this intersection that's so powerful. Yeah. They're equally physical, emotional. They're equally as well, powerful. I really want what I was saying before is that, you know, we're trying to go after pain and illness and sickness today in medicine like we did when we were trying to eradicate infectious diseases like you know measles mumps rubella all those sorts of things which is great we eliminated that shit right we're looking for i want this bad guy that i can examine in a petri dish and then i can do this good guy and he kills the bad guy yeah but you can't do that with the way that we have today with the autoimmune disorders. There's no one bad guy. It's a lot of them. And I hate to tell people this, but I really don't, in my personal opinion, think you're going to get a shot or a pill that fixes what these things are. It's a testament because that's what we're trying to do. Yeah. But we're going further down the scale because in medicine, even though it's fantastic and it's wonderful for saving your life and tragic medicine we forget what makes us unique on this planet we have a heart we have a soul we thrive on communicating with each other and bonding with each other and actually sitting down across from someone that really cares or actually gives half a shit right and then medicine what i see today is going quick fast and in a hurry even more so than ever before, the opposite way, where they're like, I need you to break it down and justify this or show me the research on this kind of thing. Mm -hmm. And I'm like, I appreciate what you're trying to do with it, and we do need research, but because we talked about how everything is individual, you can't say that this thing you did, say, on a movement thing for your back or this kind of thing when I did on 20 people showed me this. In this environment. Well, I hate to tell you that, but that has no application to what I'm trying to do over here because I've got somebody who's not your 20 people. Mm -hmm. And guess what, Sparky? They're in a completely different environment. If I did research study A behind those doors where it's carpeted and it's cool and it's nice and relaxing, you're going to respond differently. You're going to move differently than if I brought you through those doors out here, expose you to the sound of the water, which for some person might make them relax. For another person who almost drowned, it's going to freak them out. And now, instead of a cool room, it's 110 degrees. 
you are going to get a completely different outcome on your research because I changed your environment. So what that tells me is, is that what you're telling me in your research doesn't really mean anything for my environment that I'm in now. And there's the now for one human who has their own life story that's led them to a moment where they're even being assessed, where they're even being figured out. And so that takes time and patience and presence, emotional presence from a skilled practitioner or physician to just be with that human, to understand their story, to really see them as they are, exactly as they are, so they can help them go and be the person they want to be, which is this healthy, vital human. We need to empower people, right? We don't want to make them feel like they've, so many people are scared to do anything because, you know, my doc says, don't do this, don't do that. I've gravitated in my work more over the years, honestly, to really embrace Eastern medicine, right? From my love of martial arts, I've done most of my life and looking at, that's all about energy, right? It's all about your chi, which in the Western world is homeostasis, right? I just like the word chi. It's way cooler, right? <laughs> homeostasis is more scientific. Yeah, yeah. Right. I mean, I don't like that shit. I right. like the other one, right? I'm almost more metaphysical in a way. And that's all about energy, right? And that's what led me into movement because movement is based in circles and spirals and rotations, which is what life is because your DNA strand is helical. So if we have the basic fundamental makeup of our body is helical, that's the way we're designed to move. But so many corrective exercises and movements are linear. So we, we need to get out of that type of motion. And I'm not looking for somebody to do like a perfect, because there's no such thing as perfect movement. There's always better movement. Mm -hmm. But here's the rub. You need stress in your life. You need to have bad movement. You need to eat like crap sometimes. The reason you need bad movement is so your body can feel comfortable when it's in a stressful situation. It can respond to an asymmetrical environment that's trying to kick your ass. If I am always feel safe, then my nervous system, I don't have to adapt to stress. So you actually become weaker. So you need that contrast, physical, and sometimes it almost hears like from your saying, the universe kicks your ass. You get that contrast from the universe That's as how well. you get ungodly Emotional strong. or physical contrast, right? Well, so that's think how about you it this way in a world. Like, what kind of world would you want to be in if everybody was, we want this perfect society, right? Yeah. No suffering, no injury, no pain. Everybody gets what they want, no strife. That would be, oh my God, that'd be kind of awful, right? Like some Pollyanna universe that you're living in, I'm like, this sucks, right? <laughs> yeah. That's the, the issue. That's the dichotomy. We need both. That's hard to do that, right? But any person that's ever come up against some great adversity, if they've really sat down and thought about it, they come out to a better place on the other side. And what I really think is, is that when you can do that, when you can come out to the other side, I think it's your obligation and your responsibility as a human being to try to help another person come along outside of that. So that's why I, I go out and I teach and that's why I don't mind sharing my story on things. And then, you know, I realize that not everybody's going to like what you say or like what you do, but good God, I mean, that's being vanilla if you want everybody to like you. <laughs> well, we appreciate your authenticity and really, man, your vulnerability, just your, your absolute truth here on the podcast. This has been such a surprisingly incredible conversation. I didn't know anything about you before we sat down today. And I have to now tell you're you, a little too much, right? I know, and I have to tell you, like, <laughs> I'm, I'm just so inspired by the path you've taken, not only to help people in the way they move, but just in overcoming your own barriers, as you've described. And I'd love for you to share just quickly before we sign off about what you spoke about today when in regards to gut health and how that changes the emotional state. Can you tell us quickly what that was? 
Sure. Yeah. Well, I always talk about this. Some people are familiar with it. The more you research and read these days of the gut brain connection, that primal feeling that you ever had so much pain in your life that you just feel it in your gut. Absolutely. Or how about when you get nervous where you think you're going to have to be called up to speak in front of people, you feel it in your gut. Or the classic is, you know, the teenage boy who wants to ask the sexy girl out. You got all the butterflies right here. So the gut right here is where you hold your emotion. And then because of our uh, gut health today, where we have such inflammation around the intestines, that connection is affected. And then when you look at serotonin, serotonin is a major chemical for a neurotransmitter in your brain. It's linked to depression and anxiety. We don't have enough of it. 80% comes from your gut. Only 20% from your brain. And if your brain's already inflamed, you don't get enough from that anyway. I want to make sure people heard that too. We're talking about the far majority of serotonin produced in the gut, not in the head, which is a really a paradox for people. I mean, right. I think people would assume that it's produced in the brain, but what you're saying is the majority of it's in the gut, which Dr. Perlmutter talks about on his yeah. messaging. And So what did you do to actually overcome this? Did you do probiotic strains or how did you heal? Yeah. I mean, I did probiotics. I did prebiotics. I changed my uh, diet up a lot. I went a lot more towards the uh, organic uh, and I did a lot more uh, vegetable type stuff for me. But I always credit it for this is what saved my life, I swear to God, it was kefir milk. Kefir milk was the bomb for me. That, and I started to eat more of the fermented foods. But you have to introduce that slowly. Kimchi, Kimchi things like that. Kimchi and all those sorts of things. But kefir milk was the elixir for me. So I always have a glass of that every day. For me, that combination, and one of the biggest things that was the aha moment for me, was how much the gut plays in chronic musculoskeletal pain. I've had people that have had years of low back pain, shoulder pain, even like really bad autoimmune diseases like rheumatoid arthritis, inflammatory diseases, whatever, that when you get the gut on board, they feel so much better. But here's the thing that's important for athletes to know, that if your gut has inflammation in it, it's going to turn down the electrical signals and input to your core stabilizer muscles around your abdominal region. And then when those guys have a split-second delay, that split-second delay causes you to get hurt or one causes you to come in second because you ain't going to get first. <laughs> so in both athletics and in life, the gut health is so important and it's how you healed. So this has been such a great conversation, man. I really appreciate you sharing so openly and powerfully on the show. Thanks, brother. Stop Chasing Pain is the website. Yep. Doc Perry, thanks for coming on the show. Thank you, brother. I had a good time. Hey, my friend, thank you for hanging out and growing with me on today's show. Remember to hit subscribe, share this podcast with somebody you care about that you think gets to hear this message. Support the show by leaving a five-star review for the podcast right now, simply by tapping on your show artwork on your iPhone. Click that purple link that says review this podcast. It helps the show reach more conscious and smart people like you, and your voice will attract more world-class guests that want to come on the show. So let them hear your voice. For all the downloads, videos, links, and free resources mentioned on the episode, go to wellnessforce.com forward slash radio. 
And while you're at my house on the web, join us in the Wellness Force Community newsletter on that page and I'll send you four free guides around staying healthy with your eating, moving, and sleeping while you travel. Join a group of people like you over at the Wellness Force Community Facebook page. This is where we talk about the things that really matter. We share our wins, inspirations, struggles, and a lot more. So join us, tap on the show artwork on your phone and hit that purple link that says join the Facebook group and I will welcome you at the door. Okay, now you get to go out into your world and create impact for the people that you care about. So until I see you again real soon, I'm wishing you love and wellness.